Well, it's an honor to be here again, and it's been a long time since I've been here, and hopefully it won't be so long now that I live here to come back. Um, a lot of the preaching and teaching I do is to myself, and because we're, we're all the same, and normally when I'm preaching to myself, I touch, God touches the hearts of other people because we all deal with the same problems, and so um, throughout my life, I had a huge fear of speaking in front of people. I would never do that. And uh, even like during in high school, I would, if I had to do a book report, I wouldn't go to high school for two weeks or so long enough to where they would never call me back up because it was long time overdue. And I probably shouldn't have graduated high school. I couldn't really read when I graduated high school. Um, they just kind of, I was kind of a quiet, didn't cause problems. So they just kind of slid me through. And I think it was back in the day where they got money from the government for how many graduated. And so that was give them, you know, the urge to just let kids slide through. And so I was super insecure. I was, was told I wasn't going to amount to anything and um, didn't trust in myself, didn't trust in speaking. And, but when I turned 18, I started my business, uh, remodeling business and it did great. My wife had a good job at a bank. We got married young. She was 20. I was 21. And things were, were going good for us, we thought, but we weren't born again. We weren't saved. And we had the money and possessions and all the toys, but that doesn't fill the void in your heart. And you might be happy for a while, but eventually that void is going to be so empty, you're going to be searching for the truth. And, you know, that, that void can cause fear. And fear in the Bible is a big topic, and it's a topic that we need to look at today because fear is crippling. Fear can hinder us in doing our work for, for Christ. And so it's a, it's a, uh, a topic that, that uh, was big in my life because I didn't want to speak in front of people ever. And at the training at KCBT, after Discipleship One, you know, they would push you. They, you'd go to like groups like this and they'd be like, okay, get up and preach. You got two minutes. And I'd be like, uh-uh. But everybody's like, yeah, go, 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 you know. And so you get up and you pick out your favorite verse out of discipleship and you talk for a few minutes and then you'd sit down and you go, I don't even remember what I said. What did I say? You know, and slowly God taught me that if I trust in him and had faith in him, he would get me through that fear. And I started learning more of the Word of God, more of the promises from the Word of God. And I started learning how to believe the promises. It's one thing reading about the promises. It's one thing uh, hearing somebody say, this is a promise of God. But it's a whole different ballgame when we apply it to our life. If we apply it to our life, it becomes reality in our life. I mean, there's people here that might have grown up in the church for their whole life, but never really learned anything because they didn't apply it to their life. So, you know, some people that know me, I've known Chris Best a long time, Pastor Best, and uh, we had a lot of adventures in Central America. And some people think I'm fearless, and some people think I'm a little crazy, and probably that's kind of true on both points. But it wasn't always that way. Um, it wasn't always that way at all. I, I had, you know, a lot of anxiety with people, and that's why I like doing remodeling, because usually the houses I worked on were empty, and the people weren't around, and I could just go there and work, go get my paycheck, and be on my way, but I got over that, and I got over that by through the victory and the power of God, and, you know, many of you had prayer requests for salvations, family members, friends that are lost. These people have to see in you the light of Jesus. They have to see a living, walking Bible, not a speaking Bible. They don't, they don't need to hear verses. They need to see that is real in your life. That's called application to the Word of God. And there's, you know, like anymore, everybody's a Christian. I grew up Catholic. You know, in the 70s, I'm Catholic. I'm not a Christian. But now everybody's a Christian, so I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm a true believer. I, I don't want to call myself a Christian because everybody's a Christian. And in the Middle East, it's, you know, when you're in the Middle East, if you're American, you're Christian. 
And, and so all the actors in Hollywood are Christian. All the ones that are on in the movies making out, and they're all Christians. And so that's why they think of us like they do, that all the women, all the Americans, women have sex and cheat, and all the guys run around with the cheating women. And so, and we all do drugs and drink and all that. Um, but that's just, it's not true. And th- what helped me the most in the Middle East was telling them I'm a true believer. And they're like, what's that? Okay, that's a good thing. It's a question. So now I can answer that question. We need to live in a way where people see our lives. Why are you like you are? Why are you like that? And I'm like, what, you really want to know? And I'm like, you've probably never met anybody like me because there's not very many of us in this world that are true believers, that believe the word of God and apply it to their life. And that opens the door for you to share the gospel. And that's what it's all about. It's all about souls, the souls of men. And we can't be so tunnel vision on a certain group of people. If there's a soul in front of you, it's our responsibility to see if that soul is going to heaven or maybe they don't know, or maybe they know they're not going to heaven. It's our responsibility. It's not the pastors. It's our responsibility. And that goes against our flesh. Okay. It goes against our flesh to share the gospel because in our flesh dwells what? No good thing. So Satan will do everything he can do to keep you from sharing the gospel. Fear, phobias, and we need to learn how to have victory over that. I mean, this world can do nothing to us, nothing, nothing to us. And there was uh, times where I was being led by the Holy Spirit to go in these uh, gang-infected areas that even the police of El Salvador and the military would not go in. And I'd go in with my Bible on my tracks, and I would get to go in and preach to the leader and a group of them. And you'd never know which one was the leader. But they heard the gospel. And I got out with my life and my wallet and my Bible, and, and so that was all good. But I, had, I, had, I wasn't born that way. I mean, that's like crazy stuff. But what can this world do to me? If they kill me, what? Who has victory? Me. If they let me leave, who has victory? God. I mean, I got to go in and preach the word of God, and I get to fight another fight. And so we have got to get to that point in our lives, each one of us. There's still times that I fail in that. God, God, I'm too busy. I can't talk to that person. You know, I have that meeting, and you start driving away, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? Lord, send that person a faithful evangelist. Well, Pastor Jim, I'm not an evangelist. I don't have that gift. No, it says do the work of an evangelist. That's each one of our jobs. And the thing that scares me about that job is there's two judgments. There's the judgment seat of Christ, which, you know, praise God, we're not going to be judged for our sins at that one. We're going to be judged for what we do for Christ. But the second one's the one that scares me to death. Why? You're not, you're, you're, you have eternal security. Why is that going to scare you to death? Because we're going to be there when our friends and our family and the people we did not witness to that we were supposed to come up before the judge. And the judge is going to say, my hands are free of your blood. Your blood is on his hands because he wouldn't do what I told him to do. And then you're going to see him drop into the lake of fire. That should be motivation enough for us to get over the fear and phobias of speaking in front of people, of sharing Christ with people, of learning the Word of God. The Word of God's all-powerful. The Word of God is God. And so, you know, in, in 9-11, you know, in 2001, it caused a big fear in the United States. And for about a month or two, it caused the churches to be packed full because of fear. And a lot of people got saved because of that. Bad times, hard times are great to share the gospel. And, you know, we knew it was going to happen, but a month or two later, those people got to fade away. But in this other attack on the pandemic, it's done the reverse. It's caused tremendous fear. And that's why I'm talking about it today, because I just was meeting with a girl we met in Egypt that then, before we left, moved to Turkey to teach. And she was telling me her testimony there, Turkey, they had lockdown, but strict lockdown. 
and they would spy on you. And even if you didn't wear a mask in your house, it was a $250 fine. And it caused her to go crazy. And she started drinking and she started, she just was not herself anymore because of fear and just what was going on. And this pandemic didn't fill the churches, did it? What happened? It emptied the churches. We're online now. And some people, praise God, are starting to come back because we're called to meet together. We need that fellowship. We, we get strength from each other. We get strength and power. So fear is crippling. And we're family, correct? How many people have led somebody to Christ before? Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. How many want to? Amen. Awesome. Awesome. It should be everybody because we're called to do that. I know for a fact that some of you that have not yet, and maybe even some of you that have, are still fearful of doing that because it goes against our flesh. Satan doesn't want us to do it. And, and if we don't hide the, the gospel in our heart and the verses that I need to go to to answer the questions, the verses that I need to go to to share the clear gospel message, Satan's going to come in and scramble my head, scramble my brain. When I go up, I'm not going to know what to say. I'm going to have fear. And we need to get over that. And, you know, in 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear, because fear hath torment. He that hath fear is not made perfect in love. So if we have fear in our life, our relationship with God is not correct. If we have fear in our life, our walk with God is not in his will. God, in my life's been crazy since I got saved. I got saved. I, got, I was in a, an incredible church at that time and still is, I mean, all the body of Christ is incredible. And, but they had a, a way to get you from being born again to being sent out on the mission field. And Six months after I was saved, I went on my first mission trip to Romania, and that was right after Ceausescu got killed, and, and Bibles could start flowing in, and Romanians started having freedom to worship. And that's when, just be, only being six months old in Christ, we saw the thirst for the Word of God in the world, and there wasn't people to go. And so we came back from that trip. We sold our ski boat. We sold all our toys, and every trip we took after that until we knew where God wanted us which we would have been fine if it would have been right here in Kansas City because we're all missionaries. If God calls you, if God calls you to Kansas City, you get saved in that church and you work in that church, praise God, you're in the center of God's will. But you, sometimes you need to travel around and look and, and explore to, to, to discover that. And so me and my wife took trips, two or three a year, uh, mission trips, short-term trips, evangelism trips, discipleship trips. And then finally, um, I did an evangelism trip in El Salvador, and that's where I became addicted to the gospel, like Paul. And I knew we were supposed to go there. Um, and so I came back, and I had seen so many people come back from the mission field and go, I'm going to learn German. I'm supposed to go to Germany. I'm going to you know, learn Russian. I'm supposed to go to Russia. And then after they take two or three months worth of classes, they drop out. Oh, that's way too hard. Yeah, that's not where God wants me. It was just an emotional high if it was the truth they would have stuck with it. And so I didn't tell anybody, not even my wife for a year, because I want to make sure it wasn't that emotional high from the trip. And so the next year, another trip came up for El Salvador. So I went to talk to my wife. We went to the pastors. They're all, all like, okay, you're going to lead the trip, go to El Salvador again. And that's where God confirmed we were supposed to go there with the pastors, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the circumstances. And that's kind of the four things that, that, that I've used through the years of, to see if I'm the center of God's will. And it got me over that fear of being able to share the gospel. And so once you do it and do it and do it and becomes habit, you know, you get to the point like Paul, it was of necessity for Paul to share the gospel. What does of necessity mean? The one way I explain it, go ahead. Yeah, you have to have it. It's like, you know, I don't know how many, of you swim or been in pools and you swim down the bottom and you hold your breath underneath and all of a sudden you're out of breath. And guess what? You've got to get to the top to get a breath. That's like, it's of necessity. I've got to get to the top. It's, it's urgent. It feels like life threatening. 
And that's the way it was with Paul. Man, I haven't, you know, and, and Kathy and I would be like that in El Salvador where it was in the in Central America where it was really open to share. Kathy would sometimes come to me, man, I got to go. I got to, what, what's wrong? I haven't shared the gospel in a couple of days. I got to go to the, I got to go to the mall. And we need that type of urgency. Man, with what's going on, it is short. Time is short. And so we can't be crippled by fear. Fear is, you know, it, it, it's an incredible, powerful stronghold on our lives. And we need to have victory over it. It can hold, hold us um, in bondage. And, you know, one thing that as I was studying it out, um, it's a spirit. God calls it a spirit, the spirit of fear. And so if we let fear take part in our life, we're letting another spirit, not the Holy Spirit, control us. And if it's not the Holy Spirit, whose spirit, where does that spirit come from? That's right. And, but we're believers. That can't be. Read the Word of God. Learn the Word of God. And so, you know, if we, so which spirit are we going to listen to? God's or the devil's? You know, so we have got to learn how to have victory over the, over the spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do we believe that today? Do we believe that God gave us a sound mind? That, do we believe that God's spirit is greater than Satan's spirit? Heck yeah! I mean, there's just no question. There's no question. I am saved, and if I died right now, I have the security. I want to be in front of Jesus today at this at that moment at the moment of my death and so we need to have that belief we need to have that and believe the promises like this right here god has not given us a spirit of fear that's a promise so if we have fear where does it come from our flesh or the devil so we need to get rid of that stuff out of our lives you know when we get saved you know it starts with the big things it starts with okay i'm gonna get drugs and alcohol and pornography out of my life and there was one time I asked uh, uh, Jeff Adams from KCBT days, does it, I can't wait till I'm your age in Christ because it's going to be so much easier. You know, you get all those, those sins out of your life. And he's like, uh-uh, because it's probably harder because then the stuff that God's working on is the stuff like this. Yeah, you got the big stuff out, but now you got the hard stuff to work on, the refining, the refining. You're going to go through the refining fire of making that gold, that silver more pure. And so it's, it's going to be hard. It's, he never says it's going to be easy. Pick up your cross and follow me. And so we have got to understand that this is an e is not going to be an easy walk. It's not going to be an easy battle, but we win. We win. We have victory. We have victory no matter what happens to us. And so we need to not have that fear. In Romans 8.15, Romans 8.15 for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So we have not received that spirit from God. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. You know, do we, do, can everybody say here today that they, ha they have that adoption? They believe that. We're part of God's family. We're born again. Can everybody say that today? Everybody, if, if we died today, right now, would we spend eternity with God in heaven? Can we all say that? If not, speak to me after. Um, because today is the day of salvation. In Romans 8, 16, it says, uh, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we know that. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 13, These things are written unto us that we may know that we have eternal life. Okay? So believe the promises. If we have eternal life, this world can do nothing to us. And that's how to have victory over, sin, over fear. And that's how to get walking in the, in the will of God where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be the soul winning. We're supposed to be the light of the world. How can we be the light of the world if we're walking in fear? We're putting our light under that bushel basket. We need to have, be that living testimony of the word of God. You know, when Christ came up in a village, they knew something was special about that man. Not, he wasn't just out preaching. They knew, man, there's, they could feel it. Do you have so much grace in your life, so much love in your life, so much unconditional love that when you get around people, it just gets all over them? That's the way it needs to be. That's the way we need to live. Not by our words. 
Yeah, you're a sinner. You need salvation. That doesn't work too good. I'm living proof of that. The day I got saved, I went right home to my Catholic parents. I said, you guys are going to hell. You need Christ. And they said, son, see that door? Leave and don't come back. And I did for about a couple months. And then I went back like this. Sorry, I'll never do that again. And then, after about three or four years, because of that living testimony, they come knocking on my door. And they say, we saw, we've seen the hand of God on your lives. They're born again. Not by my words, not even by the Bible going out my mouth, but by my testimony. And that's powerful. What's the first emotion that's talked about in the Word of God? Anybody know? The first emotion, the first human emotion. Any guesses? What? Yes, you got it. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Genesis 3.10. Let me get it up real quick. If anybody has it, go ahead. Genesis 3.10. Okay. And he said, I heard a voice in the garden. And I was afraid, Adam, the first emotion, and it's a crippling emotion. It crippled him. He walked with God daily. And what did fear, what did fear do? Made him run and hide from God Almighty. That's crazy. You know, fear ruined my life for a big part of it. And so phobias, you know, the... The APA, the America Psychiatric Association, they came up with a list of like 300. We all know them, fear of spiders, heights, all, the whole list. And I'm not going to go through what I have, but uh, just because of time, because I want to give us a little bit of time to get together and, and get in small groups and talk. And so, you know, what I want to say is, is some fears are natural, and, and God did give us those emotions also for protection. And so, you know, sometimes we know I'm getting in a situation that is dangerous. And so fear can keep us more alert, but it's a fear. It's like, we're just, we're to fear God also. That's not a bad fear. So there's a good fear also. And so we need to figure out which one's crippling us or which one's the, the right one. And so God gave us emotions for a reason, and he gave us fear for a reason, to keep us safe to where we can serve longer. And, but we can't split hairs and go, well, God gave me fear, so I'm not going to go there and evangelize. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We need to fear God like a respect, a reverence. And, and uh, that, that snake that's rattling, if I get much closer, it's going to kill me. So that wouldn't, that's going to hinder my ministry. So that's what I'm talking about. We need to, you know, if I walk across this bridge, I'm not feeling too good because it looks old. You know, maybe let's go find another way around so I can fight another fight. And so there is a good fear and a bad fear. And so we need to make sure we're, we're not letting the bad fear cripple us. Um, you know, God Almighty promises. There's so many promises in the Word of God. Learn how to be an, an applier of the promises. If you are, you will have victory in your life. And, and he's going to say to you when we see him, well done, thou good and faithful servant, if you apply the promises. Because the promises in the word of God give us power. And, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a, with a really happy life. I mean, I sold drugs. I did drugs. I was crazy when, when, uh, when I was growing up. But once I got Christ in my life, he freed me of all that. He gave me victory over all that. And... You know, one of my pastors used to say, just grab onto the skirt of Jesus, the hem of Jesus, and hang on. And you'll go on the wildest ride that you've ever been on. And I've been there. And some of them have been kind of crazy. Like, we were in Kurdistan, which is northern Iraq, when ISIS had Mosul, control of Mosul. And we were doing a hearing clinic, medical clinic, on the other side of Mosul Lake. So we could see Mosul. And, you know, most Americans, what the heck are you doing there? Well, that's where I'm supposed to be. And so you do it without fear. Um, but it's just crazy adventures that you go on. I mean, and even in Kansas City, it's crazy adventures. 
And it, it, and it's not, you know, one thing that kept my wife and I from getting saved is how boring is Christianity. I don't want to get saved just because how boring it is. You know, and, and that kept us, Satan was good. And that kept us from, from getting into the church and growing and, and uh, getting into the adventures that you read in the Word of God. I mean, the Word of God is full of these people had incredible adventures for glorifying God and were to do the same. What books are going to be written about you, you know, of what you did for Christ? And so, you know, it's exciting and it is, you know, fear is, is one of the uh, subjects, um, emotions that's really mentioned the most that I know of. It's mentioned 331 times, fear. And so, you know, it's the good fear and the bad fear. And so um, I just want to look at Psalm 27.1. And we'll spend a little bit of time here. Because this, this can give us, a, it can be really good for us in having, having to over, uh, a way to believe the promises and believe what the Word of God says and, and maybe can give us strength to overcome the bad fear. So Psalm 27.1, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my, the strength of my life and whom shall, of whom shall I be afraid? Right there. Who should we fear and who should we be afraid? We shouldn't fear or be afraid of anybody. Because like I share with you, if the gangs killed me, I win. They think they win, I win. And so there's nothing the world can do to us. But look at this, the first two words, the Lord. The Lord. Who is the Lord? Right? God, the creator. Where is God? Does God know all the past? Does God know all the future? Does God know our journey already? What the heck's there to fear? Did Jesus promise that he's going to be with us until the end? What do we have to fear? On the other hand, when we're sinning, you know, we're sinning, he's there too. So that's another good thing to remember to help keep you walking in the will of God. So the Lord, the all-knowing, the, uh, the all-powerful is our Lord. That's our Lord. What strength in that can we, can we receive? And then the Lord is my. I've been adopted into his family. He's my father. He's not the lost world's father. He's mine. I, I have... Two kids, I have two grandkids. They're mine on this earth. I'm going to protect, protect them to the best of my ability. How much better can God protect his kids? Now, if we're in sin, that's a whole different ballgame. If I walk into those gang communities in sin, all bets are off. He's, you know, it's, I'm doing it in my flesh. And so if we're in the flesh, we can be in grave danger. But if we're walking in the will of God, where's the safest place to be in the world? In the center of the will of God for your life. Nothing can harm you in the center of God's will. Nothing. Not one thing. I believe I've had bullets either go through me or around me in El Salvador. Because I was in the center of his will. Nothing can hurt us. Nothing. People might spit on you. They might throw rocks at you. They might throw fruit at you. We've had all that happen to us. It's, that's what they're supposed to do. They're lost. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. So the Lord is my, is he yours today? Is he that person in your life today? Can you trust him that much? If not, you need to. It's just, it's an incredible thing that, that we serve this God that, that is our Lord, that is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, omnis, I can never do that one, omnis, omniscient. Um, uh, okay, thank you. Remember, I couldn't read very good. I'm, I'm crazy. I, I used to not read the verses when I preached because I couldn't, I'm a lot better now. I used to have somebody else read the verses because that's how bad I couldn't read. Um, 
but God still look at me. God still uses me. So and the cool thing about it is, is that I can't claim the glory because I couldn't do it. So and most of the people, my friends all know, wow, we know God's with you because we know you and your past. So like, praise God. So, you know, we serve this God that's just all knowing, all loving towards his children, all protecting over his children. And he wants to do incredible things in our life. He wants to love us. He wants to use us. And he wants to, uh, to continue to teach us and grow stronger in that relationship. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we die to ourselves, get rid of what we want and put in what he wants for us. And he wants us to serve him. He wants us to glorify him on a daily basis. Well, I'm going to work. Well, I work all day. Well, you know, when I used to build houses, we'd, we'd buy the crew lunch, one, every house. And, and then they would have to listen to us preach. I mean, there's ways to go around it. There's called a break room. There's called lunch break. There's called, you know, hey, let's go out and have coffee afterwards. You know, don't make excuses. Excuses. Most people have at least two, like armpits, and they all stink. Our excuses stink. So don't use excuses for not serving and glorifying God and not sharing Christ. And that's what he's called us to do. And, you know, He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So everybody here is a ministry leader right now. Well, I haven't even passed D1 yet. Yeah, but your Lord and Savior gave you a ministry the second you got saved. And so you might not be done with D1. You not, might not be done growing in your understanding of the Word of God, but God still wants to use you right now. So learn how to share the gospel. And, and you know, there's gonna be a, it's going to be a sad day. A lot of Christians are going to stand before Christ and he's going to go, hey, what'd you do with the ministry I gave you? What ministry? I just went to church on Sunday. And it's going to be sad. I mean, you know, there, you know, it's going to be a, a great thing getting to go to heaven. You know, it's a lot better climate than hell. And, uh, but for some of us, we're going to be crying and ashamed and naked in heaven for a period of time because we didn't serve God here on earth. And there's, there's all sorts of pictures in the Word of God, like Ruth. She sewed her own wedding dress. We, as we serve God, are sewing our own wedding dress. You know, we're clothed in fine white linen. What is the fine white linen in that verse? The righteousness of the saints. The fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So if we're living in sin, if we're rejecting to be in the will of God, are we living a righteous life? Heck no. I'll answer it for you. We're not living a righteous life. That's sin. So if you're in sin, how can you be dressed in fine white linen? That's heaven we're talking about. Now, it's not going to be that way for eternity, but it's going to be that way for a while. Maybe the millennial, maybe a little bit longer, but I, I believe, listen to me closely, I believe once we hit eternity future, I'm not saying the word of God says it, but I believe once we hit the eternity future, God's a just God. I think we'll all be the kind of the same level once we hit the eternity future. But that's just me, my guess, because it's not clear. So, you know, we need to change our personality. We need to change our, our, uh, our character. My character when I got saved was a fearful, shy, insecure, young adult when I got saved. And, you know, a lot of people probably couldn't imagine that now. Um, uh, I've been transformed. I've been renewed. I'm a new creature in Christ. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. I, you know, like I said, I couldn't read when I got saved. God sent me to El Salvador. I had to learn a new language. And after four or five years, I was able to preach for like eight years in Spanish. That is a miracle. And so I can preach in two languages now. I can read in two languages now, and I can just get in trouble in Arabic. That's about all I can do. <laughs> Ask Lois. <laughs> and so, you know, we are the light of the world. And so how can we shine bright without using our words, our testimonies? You know, it's all about our testimonies and, and believe in the promises of God. You know, that light, you know, again, the Bible is uh, it's a bracket of time. It's a parenthesis of time in the middle of eternities. 
There's eternity past, there's the start of time, there's the end of time, and there's eternity future. You know what's really cool? In that bracket, it all starts with light and ends with light. That's cool. That's cool. You know, um, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was upon the uh, surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering. Uh, no, that's not right. Um, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so that's, that's the verse I wanted. Let there be light, and there was light. And then you got in Revelation 21, the same thing. And I saw the holy city, uh, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven, uh, prepared a bride, beautiful and dressed in violent linen. And where's that? In verse 24, and the nations walked in light. Um, so the New Jerusalem is going to be light, the light of God, the glory of God is going to light uh, the new, new Jerusalem. So it starts with light and it ends with light. I mean, it's, but it really doesn't end because we're into eternity future. But it's kind of cool how time is, is, is bracketed by light. And, you know, God talks about us covering our light and hiding our light. And we can, you know, we're almost like that dimmer switch. We can, you know, however we're walking and how our relationship is with God is whether we're turning the dimmer switch up and shining brighter or whether we're turning it down, it's still on. You know, we're still a light, but people can't see it. And so I just encourage you, all of you today to, to uh, think about this. We'll, I'm going to have some uh, um, time for us to get together in groups and try and figure out how we can help each other in this. Talk in your groups of, do I have that type of testimony where people can see I'm a Christian without me telling them? Do I, do I have the, the, the fear that cripples me? How can I, you know, how can you guys help me get over that? How can we keep each other accountable to doing that? And so just go around and ask some of these questions. And uh, because we serve the, the all-loving, all-powerful God, and he loves us so much, and he just wants the best for us. And, you know, the best for us does not always mean what we think it means because all of the disciples, except for John, had died horrible deaths. He wants the best for us. You're going to die a horrible death. Oh, sign me up, you know. Pick up your cross and follow me. Oh, that sounds hard and rough. Sign me up, you know. So it doesn't, you know, in his eyes, it's just for a moment. It's just for a vapor. Eternity is a long time to sacrifice down here. And then there's, you know, those times that we get, what if, what if, maybe I should just keep one foot over here, keep making money, keep building my little mansion down here, and then keep one foot over here and serve when I can. You know, I, it was nice being a pastor and only having to work one day a week, you know. Like Sam, you know, you know, just preaches on Sunday and then gets the rest of the week off. You know, Chris, same way, you know, it doesn't work like that. You're talking 24-7. They, they're all in. Both feet are in. You know, the, the Bible says, you know, the second we're saved, we're sanctified. Then we got to take that next step and go on the other side of the cross and be uh, consecrated. Our lives are yours. He already has them over here. We're sanctified. And that's through, through him doing it. Now we need to take the other step and say, okay, God, this is my decision to you. I want to be consecrated. I want to be yours. I want to be used by you in whatever way you can use me. If it's cleaning, if it's driving a bus, if it's whatever, no matter if we're cleaning or driving a bus, we need to share the gospel because we're all called to do that. And so, you know, I hope that kind of strength, I'll, I'll take a few questions if any of you want to ask anything about the mission field or, or uh, anything about today um, right now. But I hope that, you know, this, this has been a, I got, I got probably 40 pages on this and because uh, it was just kind of my life's journey and, and uh, it's been an incredible journey and it's not over yet. We're back here taking care of my mom, which is, I'm in the will of God. I'm, so it's amazing getting to minister to, to my mom, how she <coughs> put up with me for a long time and exactly put up with me because I wasn't a believer and I was a crazy kid and a crazy young adult, and but now the other way around, we can minister to her and love on her because she loved me no matter how many times she went to jail to get me out. So 
And uh, so with that, hopefully, you know, this will encourage you to at least think about it, fear and getting over it because it does cripple us and it causes us not to glorify like God wants us to. So thanks, thanks for the time. If you want to come up and break us up, or does anybody have any questions? Egypt, El Salvador, Central America, being a missionary? Yeah. Yeah. I was a three-to-one Catholic. Yeah. You, you ever heard of that group? So three-to-one stand, three-to-one kneel, three-to-one get the, out of here. So... Yeah. Heck no, I'm Baptist now. Heck no. They didn't embrace anything about it. They hated it. They hated it. My dad's in heaven now. My mom's got dementia and Alzheimer's and and uh they put up with it. They they when they got saved. You know, their whole, they came from generations of Catholics. So when you're a Catholic and generational Catholic, you have zero people outside of the Catholic church that are your friends normally. And so they got saved like maybe when they were 65, 70 years old. And so to say, you can't go to that church anymore and just rip them out of their whole life. You can't be around these friends anymore and just rip them out of their whole life. I'm just like, no, stay there and and start a Bible study and I'll help you. Just ask me questions. And so... They did that, and they'd go, what about angels? They want to know about angels. Okay, here, here's the scripture. Okay, go. And so, amen, amen. I mean, so they're like my little spies in the Catholic Church, so it was cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 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 I mean, God, remember, our job, we don't save anybody. Our job isn't to get anybody to go to any church. My parents, their father is God. God directs their steps. For whatever reason, God wanted them there until now. So, question, yes. Um, you know, we've... Being self-employed, you know, you never know whether you have work next week. A lot of times you get down to where you're down to a few days of work left, and then all of a sudden you got three months worth of work. And and uh, once we got saved, we always tied the period first. God gets the first. And even in El Salvador one time, where they switched their money from the cologne to the dollar. And so nobody wanted to take $100 bills because if it's fake, because when you're out of the country, people fake the bills. And so... The most they liked to take was 20s, so we'd get all our money out because we only got money once a month. We get all out in 20s, and so we'd pay rent in 20s. One time we gave our rent, we we uh, put our tithe in. We go, well, here's our food money, God. We had no money, had two kids, no money for food, but God gets His money first. So we give our rent to the landlady. She goes to the bank. She calls, hey, something's wrong. I'm coming back. So she comes back, dumps the money out. There's $200 bills, which was enough for food the rest of the month. We never got $100 bills because we can't use them there. And so another time, you know, uh, I was driving a team that came down, and it was a, I can't remember whether it was a hurricane or not, but there was mudslides everywhere. And we're going from the airport over to the coast to uh, work with an orphanage. And the roads were flooded. And so I go, we got to get back because we went through water on the other side. So we turn around. I wanted to get back before it got flooded. We got trapped there in that middle zone. And uh, I saw a taxi there because there's the only way out is up through the mountain roads. And I didn't know them. And I had 20 Americans with me. And so, uh, so I told the taxi driver, don't lose us. And uh, because I don't know my way up. So he's like, fine, I'll, you know. And so we had to get out like every mile and pull trees out of the road, pull rocks out of the road so we could keep going. Took four hours to do a 45 minute drive to get up to the city. And I was like, Pastor, do you want to stay here the night, please? And But I'm, it's your decision. If you want me to try and go back down to the coast and go to where you're staying. And he said, yeah, I want that. And so we start going back down. And uh, I see the whole side of the mountain coming off. And there's a cliff on this side. And 
I didn't know whether to hit the brake. I had a split second, hit the brake or hit the gas. And so I hit the gas and I see these two men in, lit up and we hit a big mud slide and it went over the bus and we made it through. So I could go on and on and on about, you know, angels helping us. I mean, I'm sure mine are gonna be, sent me down and have a talk, I'm sure. I don't know how many times they've taken a bullet for me, but uh, they're probably not going to be happy. But yeah, there's, I mean, God is real. And I mean, just another good thing that really just kind of solidifies it's real is a spiritual warfare when you do an exorcism. I don't know how many I've done, but one was really special. My son was getting ready to move back to the States. And uh, we have a demon possessed girl in front of us. And uh, she actually had a demon outside of her that's been with her since she was like two and she had one in her. And so she's like sweating and I give her a water bottle and it was unopened and she squeezed it, popped the water, popped the top off and it melted in the shape of her hand. I had it for a while. I don't know what happened to it, but um, when it was time to do the exorcism, I just looked up at my son and said, it's time. He just came right over, no fear. Put his hands on her and start praying. So, I mean, but that was for him to know before he left that the battle is real. And so, I mean, it's, it's spiritual warfare is, is insane and it's real. You think, you know, fear, this topic is real. But so is the satanic stronghold that's on this earth. They are real creatures out here possessing people and, and physically ailing people. In the Bible, we see that, oh, he had palsy. They do an exorcism and he's walking, taking up his bed and walking, you know, going home. So I'm sure if we'd go do exorcisms in the hospital, there'd be a percentage of people that would just get up and walk out healthy. And actually, I was talking to a friend of mine that let fear get the best of him. He, he had a demon-possessed woman in front of him, and he did nothing about it. And I'm like, why? Why? And it was, of course, it was fear. It is, it's not a fun thing. When I used to train the people in El Salvador up, I'd go to my youth pastor and leaders because I don't like doing those things alone. And I'd go, all right, tomorrow we're going. And they'd be like, oh, you're horrible. Yeah, I can't believe you're doing that to us again. But now they do it. They're not afraid of it. Yeah. on drugs or yeah, yeah or right jerk, I mean, I right i mean some of them it's some of them it's the when you get into the superhuman strength and the and the like uh my friend she was writing like like faster than you could type writing letters because it wouldn't let her speak and her husband's saying yeah he won't let her speak so just indicators indicators and and our spirit will not bear witness with theirs and when there's a demon around, you feel a demonic presence. You feel a, a, a weight of, of darkness around you. But you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I mean, you got to hear that still, small voice. And No, oh, heck no. Heck no. I mean, people get mad because it's like they say, you're a magnet for them. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just not afraid of them. And so I don't look for them. And they're not behind every tree. There's, there's a certain number of demons that are on this earth and, and wandering around messing with people and they do different things and they have different strengths. And, but it's real and we can't fear, even those people we can't fear. You know, we have hard enough time just going up to a person we don't know and sharing the gospel. That's scary enough. But then you say, well, you need to go do an exorcism tomorrow. Forget that, you know. And so, yeah, there's a lot that, that uh, we see uh, on a real basis. Um, of the miracles. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. No, there's, there's a lot in the Bible that we need to learn and learn. You never get there. You never get there. If you always have the heart that you're not there and you want more, it keeps you humble. And I've seen so many people get full of knowledge and then it doesn't go that 15 inch travel down to the heart and it's, they become prideful. And uh, that's where you get into trouble. You got to let the promises and everything get down into your heart and you'll be protected. But yeah, we need to wrap up. Anybody, one last question, anybody?
Quick, no? All right, take it away. Oh. When she was sick in the hospital? Yeah. Um, my daughter got a tooth pulled in El Salvador and she got an infection that went down to her throat. And uh, the dentist kept just giving different antibiotics and it, wasn't get, it was getting worse. The, the ball was getting bigger. So we went to my ear, nose and throat doctor. He goes, go straight to the hospital. Um, Cause in that canal is the same as that goes to your brain and head. And uh, so we go to the hospital they tried a bunch of different antibiotics. None of them were working. It was getting worse and worse. And they're like, you need to just uh, be with her because she's not going to make it. And so, you know, we just gave her to God. I said, thanks for the time with her. And then that night they called up and they said, there's one other antibiotic here in El Salvador. And Kathy, you got to go buy it. And so she, uh, my son-in-law went with, they weren't married yet, but they're, going out they went to go get the um iv solution that night and they did the iv into her heart through her jugular and by the next morning um she was so much better but i mean our kids are are just ours for as long as you know god's will is and so you know we got to be willing to you know thank you for the time you, you got to even be strong enough to do that thank you for the time that you gave me with my daughter and, you know, and we as Christians, if our kids are saved, we shouldn't even have fear about that. I'm going to see them again. We shouldn't be sad about it. it. You know, Christian funerals and lost funerals are so different. There should be joy and happiness in a Christian funeral. Why are we sad? They're out of this hellhole. I mean, you know, and, and at a lost person funeral, there's people that we can get into God's family. So anyway. Yeah, that was a crazy story, crazy time. Okay, yeah. Awesome, thanks, Jim. Cool, so um, there's not a lot of time. So um, if you guys want to break up into groups real quick, and there's probably really just enough time to pray. So if you want to go ahead and break up into groups and pray, and, uh, um, and we'll be done. Love you guys.